0: Their return percentage to sales is 60%. Can you imagine that? Fashion's normally 24 and overall, I think it's like 16 and a half or something like that. So if you can reduce that, you're going to uh, make more money. You're going to reduce all the costs that are involved with, again, with packing and picking and shipping. Yep. And then when you get it back, you've got to, you know, figure out what you're going to do with it.
1: Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey, everyone.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the WBS podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm, Elevate IQ. While everyone would talk about the importance of understanding your customers, it's even more critical when working with stressed and distressed businesses. Most CEOs when they are given an assignment for fixing a distressed business they all start with evaluating their team but then what really moves the needle is the deep understanding of the customer and crafting strategies around that. But even that is not enough as you would need enough liquidity to ensure that you have enough time before the transformation efforts can pay off. In today's episode, our guest, Michael Appel, discusses these restructuring and turnaround strategies for retail businesses. He also discusses several stories where he was personally involved in turning around large retail businesses. Finally, he discusses the importance of building the right team and deep understanding of customers for the successful turnaround of the business. Let me introduce Michael to you. Michael Appel is a a seasoned executive with over 50 years of experience in the retail industry as the managing director at Getzler Henrik and Associates. He leads retail practice for the firm. He can talk about financial results, technology strategies, and the importance of technology in retail today. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Sam. Great to be with you. And I am so excited to have you as well, because the kind of stories, and we were discussing this in pre-show, they were so fascinating. So I'm super excited for that. But just for my audience, if they might not know you, do you want to introduce yourself and uh, just share what you are focusing on these days, Michael?
0: Sure, absolutely. I'm the head of the retail practice at Gessler Henrik, which is a a restructuring firm that's based in New York that's owned by Hilco Global. Yeah. And uh what we do is we work with with healthy, stressed and distressed retail companies. I like all it. Right? and lots of stories about that, uh historically and right now. Yeah. And uh uh we have a, a great dedicated retail team that works with our clients. Yeah. Uh you know, either in terms of uh of bricks and mortar, yep. omni channel, e commerce, and on the uh uh on the vendor end as well, people yep. who sell to retailers. And Getro has been in business for 55 years, and we have a wonderful history of working collaboratively with our clients to to either help them do better or to assist them in situations that are more stressed.
2: Okay, perfect. So we are going to have so much fun digging into those stories, I guess. Uh, But before we do that, we have one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest. And that is going to be, Michael, your perspective on business growth.
0: Okay, well... In terms of business growth, I mean, I think, you know, you, t- you, you know, you, this could go on forever, but basically, yep. you know, when you're talking about retail, which is 70% of GDP, yep. you know, as goes the economy, as yep. does go retail, but within, within that, all right, there are what, what we've seen more and more are winners and losers. All yep. right. This bifurcation of performance. And I think that when you look at, when you look at the people that are winning, when we're talking about growth. Yep. Those people in the retail business are number one. They they have a deep understanding of their customer. Yep. Number one. Yep. Number two. They really are focusing on utilizing technology uh, to to drive business results. And and I think that if you if you're in the retail business today, if you're not doing that, then uh, you're going to be left behind. And you can you can see that with the performance of the players. And even. And, you know, and the thing about it is, is that it's a very, it's it's very unforgiving, right? Because consumers today have so much more knowledge. And so, you know, in some ways people say, well, they're driving the bus. Well, you know, uh, but, but for, for, for a company to, to drive growth, you you know, you've got to be able to, to really uh, drive the bus with them. All right. And, and, uh, and, and really understand what they want, deliver, deliver the service or the product. in a way that makes sense for them. And and so, you know, it's never really changed. But I think today, retailers have many more tools that they can use in their arsenal if they choose to to use them.
2: Yeah, very interesting. So we are definitely going to talk about some more stories from the restructuring perspective, and we are going to figure out if they were riding the bus or not. And you have figured out, you know, how to make them ride the bus, right? So maybe start with the story. And I know you had very, very, very deep story in terms of um, you know, what were the problems? So maybe describe the business context a little bit. Um, you know, what were the situation where you were brought in? What was the business dynamics sure. like? You know, what was the business model? So describe that a little bit, and then I'm going to have a lot of follow-up okay. questions, I guess. So I think, I think that, you know,
0: my background is really as a merchant in retail. Yeah. I started yeah. at Bloomingdale yeah. and have run many specialty retailers, yeah. both and, and also across all categories. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of a jack-of-all-trades in terms of product categories, yeah. channels, yeah uh and and have covered things basically companies from discounters to super luxury yeah so I have that perspective and I have all those experiences in my toolbox. I think yeah. probably the most most in, most interesting and sort of not that long ago uh um uh, example was in two thousand and seventeen okay. when I was brought in to lead the turnaround at route twenty one yeah and basically the company had gone through. Uh, a, a restructuring. Okay. And, uh, and, and Route 21 is, I always call it, it's like the biggest retailer nobody's ever heard of. They had <laughs> 1250 stores. Well, it's true. 1250 stores in almost every state. Yeah. And after the restructuring, they still had 750 stores. So it yeah. was a very large retailer. Yeah. And, uh, and basically I was, I was an advisor originally to the bondholders who became the owners. Yeah, and then I was asked to become the chairman, and then very shortly thereafter, uh, I became the the uh, interim CEO and then the CEO of the of the business. And it was a very challenging situation. Route Twenty One was a uh, and is is a junior retailer, so we sell to junior uh, and plus size girls and also to young men. Yeah, uh, so they're teens and young adults. Yeah, and uh, the the company really was had just emerged from Chapter Eleven. Yeah, and uh, when I when I took over. You know, I I looked at what's your playbook. Okay. The playbook is the playbook is always the same, really. Yeah. In a a company that's been restructured or stressed. And that is, you know, what do I, what do I look at? Okay. The first thing is understanding the customer. Okay. It's, oh, and you would think that that's something that every retailer would have. In the case of Rue, they had this huge company had no consumer research. So the first thing we did was to to do a very deep, um, segmentation study. Okay. So that we could understand who the different customer segments were. Yeah. And you know, sort of old time retailers will say, well, I know who my customer is. Well, you know what? It's not just one customer. Yeah. You have different customer segments yeah. that behave differently. Yeah. And you need to understand that in order to inform your strategy. So, so the first thing we did, and, and this was done in parallel. All right. Because yeah. when you're doing a turnaround, yeah. you can't do it in a linear fashion. Yeah. You have to, you have to do many things at the same time. So, yeah. Things that, you know, so, so A, understand the customer. Yeah. B, uh, uh, really, uh, and that will inform your strategy. Okay. Then you have to look at, you have to look at your, your, uh, the talent and say, do I have the team that has the talent to be able to execute against the strategy
3: okay. that's been developed?
0: All right. And then, and then of course, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, people don't think about it as much as they should. Yeah. But that you know you can't do any of this all right uh without liquidity yeah so so you really you know when you're when you're doing a turnaround your number one focus all right uh while you're doing everything else is making yeah. sure that you have enough liquidity yeah. to buy you the time you need okay. to turn around the business yep. all right and so that may mean that you may not need to r- to raise more capital or you may have to to look at your assets yeah. And say, okay, how can I utilize those assets, uh, the best way possible to do that? And looking at how can, how can you really, uh, uh cut expenses as appropriate to give yourself the money to do that? Yeah. And, you know, and you can go through a whole series of things in terms of, of, of the levers that will give you liquidity, and, you know, and the other thing too is really going, going to your vendors yeah. and making sure that you improve your terms. Yeah. Which will give you will automatically give you a little liquidity. Yep. So you're doing all of this in in you know in tandem. Yep. And in the case of Rue, what we what we found out was was when I looked at at the product, yeah, uh, I realized that we we needed we needed to to really um uh we need to get rid of most of the product and bring in new product, which huh. meant that that uh that and that was in September right after back to school.
3: Yeah. And that meant
0: looking at you know, looking at sourcing and, and how long it takes to do that, yeah. that we needed to to be able to to come out to the other side and get traction next back to school, next July. So in order to do that, when we're talking yeah. about liquidity, yeah. what we did was we decided, okay, we're going to run the business for cash. We're okay. not going to run the business to maximize sales. Okay. That was a, a very specific part of our strategy. Okay, and, and so, you know, some of the things we did, yeah. including, you know, cutting expenses, and renegotiating leases which had just been renegotiated because we felt there was more opportunity there <laughs> yeah okay was was really um in in terms of 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 expenses uh, you know making sure that we had the right organizational structure, yeah uh, making sure that we were buying the right uh, product in the right quantity and also yep. one of the things we did was we canceled a lot of forward orders because okay. we said why? Why are we going to bring this stuff in when we know that it hasn't been selling? Right. Yeah. Same, so we had to do that. Okay. And in order to do, in order to do all those things, I had to make sure that I had the right team yeah. to do that. And that required me actually to, uh, a, you know, you're evaluating as soon as you get in there, you're evaluating your team. Right. Yeah. And, and any CEO worth their salt is going to do that, but also will realize that, uh, you know, as a CEO, you can't you can't do it all yourself. OK, Yep. yep. So you've got to have you've got to have the right team. Yep. All right. Who can execute. And so we ended up, you know, we ended up keeping some very good people. Yeah. You know, our, our supply chain guy was really good and and some other people were really good. And um, and but we had to change forces in terms of the chief merchant and the chief marketer. Yeah. Because we knew that they were not going to take us to the promised land. Yeah. And we were able to bring in people who could do that. And, and very quickly. So we were doing all these things all at the same time. Yeah. But that's what you have to do. And the other thing that we did that was, that I did that was really critical to the company's turnaround and, and was we brought back to the company a gentleman who had been the head of planning and allocation. Yeah. And he had gone to another company and wanted to come back to Pittsburgh where the company was, was based. Yeah. And, but he, he had gotten in the meantime, he had gotten a PhD in data analytics. Perfect. So he's on the cutting edge yeah. of all these things that are going on from a technology perspective. Yeah. And so he said, you know, I'll do it, but I want to have IT as well as uh, planning and allocation. And I said, great, because yeah. both of those positions were empty at that point anyway. <laughs> so, but, but I knew that he really was a brilliant guy. Yeah. And, and again, within a week, he, and he had been at the company before. So he, he really understood the company. He understood the company's DNA. Yeah. And that's very important because I think some of the things that people forget about is, you, and you see this. You yeah. saw, I saw this at Bed Bath & Beyond. New yeah. CEO comes in and yeah. he gets rid of the entire C-suite. And so there's no DNA, yeah. right?
3: Yeah,
0: Entires yeah, people that are going to tell him what he, wa- what he wants to hear yeah. as opposed to what he needs to hear. Yeah. Okay? And that's really, you know, that's really, really important. In, in, in And and so, so this guy, wonderful, t- terrific guy came in. And within a week, he came into my office. Yeah. And he said to me, we're going to have the worst Christmas you can imagine. Okay. Okay? (laughs) And it's not going to start until Black Friday. And so, you know, we have to, you you know, you need to know that. Yeah. Because that's going to influence a lot of the way we run the business. Yeah. And so basically, as again, I went back looking at that, I said, okay, we're going to have to cut receipts. Yeah. We're going to have to run the business for cash. Yeah. And, And, you know, it was a team effort with our CFO yeah, as well and yeah. and really understanding that. yeah, And so and but but so that was that was a critical thing. But what also was important was that he was very, very conversant okay. with what was going on in technology okay, retail. And okay. we did a lot of very innovative things yeah. as part of running the company that that really were uh, responsible for the, for the turnaround. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing was, one of the issues that we had was, you know, in, in especially in, in junior apparel, yeah.
3: you know, it,
0: it's feast or famine, right? If yeah. you don't get it right, you'll get yeah. killed. Okay. Yeah. yeah. However, so so, and when you're thinking about the fact that here you are under the gun and you got to yeah. get it right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what he had, he, what he introduced us, the company to was a company called First Insight. Okay. Which does, which does digital testing of product. Okay. So instead of. Instead of the usual way that retailers test product, which is they'll bring in a test quantity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then they'll see if it sells. Yeah. Then they'll place a big order. Yeah. You can, if you, if you, uh, put together, uh, groups of your customers that have a history of yeah. choosing the winners. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You can, you can, you can then put product before them. Yeah. And their ratings have, a, are directly, um, uh, uh, Aligned with how the product's going to sell. Yeah. So, so, so what you would do is you'd bring in the new product you were thinking of the, the panels that were, that, that had been chosen yeah. by, you know, uh, through gamification and doing yeah. all sorts of things to get, yeah uh, to, to see that they, that they knew how to pick the winners. Right. Yeah. Because we could go, we could go back yeah. and have them, have them test that. So we would bring, we would bring the, um, uh, the product in front of them yeah. and there was a direct correlation. Between yeah. high scores and yeah. how the product would do. And at the same time, and that's, and this is equally important. Yeah. There was a direct correlation on low scores and things yeah. you shouldn't order. Yeah. So it's not only, it's not only picking the winners. Yeah. It's not picking, it's not buying the losers. All right. Yeah. And you could do that. And the other thing was, was that you could do this. You could put product in front of the, 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 uh, the customers and you get the results in 48 hours. Yeah. So you were cutting down the supply chain yeah. dramatically. And yeah. You were are taking this whole testing process yeah and you know making it much much uh much faster and and that's more and more important because the closer you can beat if your consumer today yeah especially in fashion that's critical in terms of performance yeah. because consumers consumers have access to all the information to all the trends great and so you want to be up there with them yeah so so that was one of the really important things that we did another thing that we did um that was was really critical was we realized that our customer, our customer was a, a, was a low, lower income customer. Yeah. And, um, and so they weren't marketed to, you know, low income customers in, in, in small towns and cities, yeah. you know, that are teens, you know, they don't have a lot of access to credit. Right. Uh, and, and they don't get marketed to, so yep. the, you know, the people, you know, middle class and above, they're getting offers, they're getting, you know, they're getting stroke, they're getting all this other stuff all the time. Yeah. But our customer was was not. So one of the things we decided that we needed to do was to have a loyalty program. Okay. okay. And we had never had a whole loyalty program. Okay. And and in order to, and so, and you know, it takes, a, it took about, a, I don't know, nine months to a year to yeah. get it designed and ready to go. But yeah. one of the things we realized was that, you know, we had 12,000 associates in 750 stores. Yeah. And we needed to train those associates. Yeah. To sign people up. Yeah. And to be able to explain the program. Yeah. And when, and when we looked at the at at how the stores performed. Yeah. There was a, there was a real curve in yeah. terms of of the people, you know, some stores were great, other stores were lousy. So you would have some stores that were running 40% ahead and yeah. some stores that were running, you know, 20, 30, 40% behind. Yeah. So you knew that you needed some you needed a a, a some consistency right. in training so that they were all ready to go and they all delivered the right message at the right time. Yeah. So in order to so we found we went to the NRF and we found a fabulous company yeah. called Exonify that's yeah. a AI powered learning platform. Yeah, and uh, they were able to and their their philosophy about learning was that people learn in small sound in small bites. They do three to five minute bites. Yeah, and that if you put them in a room for an hour yeah. and you bore them, they're yeah. going to forget it yeah but if you if you have if you're able to reach them in in these smaller doses, yeah, not only are they trained, but you can also because of their systems, yeah. you can also track whether or not they mastered the subject or not, yeah, so that you could go back and make sure that they did, yeah, and that their supervisors were able to do that. so yeah. so and the other thing was we were like, you know, I don't know, six to eight weeks away from launch, yeah, and they were able to. They had the technology to be able to bolt on to yeah. our system yeah. so that when we launched, we were ready to go. And within a year of that launch, we had six million members. Okay. Of that okay. And today they have, you know, three years later they've got they've got ten million members. And and at that time, you know, three years ago, that was a huge driver of business. Because what do you want today? You yeah. want consumers that are loyal to you. Yep yeah, and yeah. if you and if you can engage them yeah. you will get them to spend more and more frequently yeah and so that was another that was another example of technology another example of technology was we were the second uh company in the United States after H&M okay. uh, to do look Klarna which was you know one of these payment systems yeah yeah that, yeah that started which you know, five years ago, nobody even heard of these things. And now it's become it's you know it's the new automated buy now pay later. right. And that was particularly important for our customer because our customer had limited access to credit. yeah, so this enabled them, yeah, to to have more credit and yeah. buy more and buy more frequently. And those all of those things, you know, were, were a contributor in addition, yeah. you know to 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 you know, having the right people and having the right marketing yeah. and making sure the stores look great and and also looking at where was an opportunity when you're talking about business growth yeah. we saw that there was a very big opportunity in our customer base to grow our plus-size junior business
3: yeah. okay yeah.
0: and that and that when you look at the behavior of young people today yeah. all right the plus-size you know teenager wants the same exact merchandise that her her slimmer sister has they don't view themselves any differently.
3: Yeah. And
0: so, and so that was a big undertaking that we have to, to grow and develop that business. Yeah. And that also contributed to the growth of, 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 of the business. So when you look at all of these things, yeah. you're saying, okay, there's lots of different pieces to this, right? Yeah. 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 It, but, but you, and you put it all together. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Always keeping in mind the, the, the understanding of the customer. So, and then, you know, another, another example was, when we did our segmentation research yeah we found that there were there were two customer segments
3: yeah. that
0: were the ones that we really wanted to focus on
3: yeah and
0: one of them one of those segments was the gallery guy who was very secure in their fashion choices yeah they knew what was going on they knew what they wanted yeah. they knew how to put outfits together you yeah. know uh, they just wanted they just wanted a store that was easy to shop yeah and where they could you know pick and choose what they wanted and be able to talk to the salespeople, you know, if they needed it. All right. So that was one customer, that fashion secure customer. Yeah. The, the other customer who was also very interested in fashion. Yeah. Was much less secure in her choices. Yeah. So she would go online and do a lot of research. Yeah. And then, you know, she'd like to go in the store and be helped. And also we found out that she wanted to have outfits put together for her. She wanted to see the whole look. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that we discovered, what we realized in our stores was yeah. we had very few mannequins. Okay? okay. And one and so what we did was, you know, when and this is when we were scrounging around for money, right? Yeah. Uh, we took a, a group of test stores yeah. and we bought used mannequins, all right. That were yeah. you know, a lot of people people are always going out of business. So you could always buy you could always <laughs> buy mannequins and fixtures and things <laughs> like that at a great price, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So and so we put like between thirty and fifty mannequins in a store. Yeah. And what we found was that that really that was also served as a silent salesperson, right? Yeah. Because that customer would come in, and yeah. it could be the fashion secure person, or it could have been the the, the gal that or guy that needed more help. And yeah. they look at that mannequin and yeah. they say, "I want that outfit."
3: Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. all
0: of a sudden, yeah. you're not selling one piece; you're selling yeah. three or four or five pieces in that store. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and that was also. That was, and so we tested it and then we rolled it out Yeah, and that was, that was tremendously successful. Yeah. And then, and then another thing that, you know, as a merchant, what you look at is you look at, okay, what categories are the category drivers for your yeah.
3: customer? Yeah.
0: And for us, you know, our, our customers were teams, right? So obviously, obviously jeans were always important and yeah. shorts and things yeah. like that, Yeah, but we had a big business. A big business in graphic tees, All right. Huh. And when you think about that, you know, yeah. that's a, you know, it's 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 not expensive, it's fun,
3: yeah,
0: and kids love it, right? Yeah. And and so what we did was we said, Okay, we are going to explode that business. Yeah. And we are both for gals and for guys and for plus.
3: Yeah. And
0: we worked with our vendors, yeah, and we really started to, you know, make sure that we had everything covered. Okay. Yeah. It could be sayings, it could be prints, it could yeah. be embellished. It yeah. could be music, yeah. okay? All of those different things. Yeah. And what we did in the store is we took the wall, a big wall behind our register, okay? Yeah. yeah. And we did a whole wall of graphic tea
3: Yeah.
0: that it, like, knocked their socks off when yeah. they walked into the store. And they understood that we were in that business. Yeah. And then we made sure that we had the right fixturing, you know, so that... And that became a really big business because, you know... When people go go in to buy, all right, you know that's a perfect impulse item because it's not very expensive. Yeah, and and kids always need they always they see something and they say, "Wow, I have to have that Rolling Stones T-shirt yeah. or or Taylor Swift yeah. or or Wildflowers or like 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 butterflies. Butterflies yeah. are a big thing. Okay, yeah. so we really gave it all to them with that selection, and that was a big business driver. Yeah. So when you think about all those things. All of those things put together, you know, drove, drove the, the, the results and the company, you know, really turned around. And, and frankly, the marketplace thought we were on the, on the edge of bankruptcy. Yeah. Not very long after we, we, uh, uh, we came out. And yeah. then one other, one other thing, uh, that we did, and, you know, we want to talk about liquidity was yeah. we, we had an issue was that the, the previous owners of the company had in the bankruptcy had, yeah had stiff the factor community yeah. to the tune of over fifty million dollars. So the yeah. factors didn't want to work with us. Yeah. So so we had to make sure that we could get uh that we could get our vendors to ship. And so we were very cognizant of that. Yeah. And we always paid our vendors on time. Yeah. And that gave them confidence in that yeah. regard. But what we also did was we said, okay, we had a an asset-based lending facility.
3: Yeah. And
0: uh we we wanted to be able to and when you look at most asset-based lending facilities, yeah. there's always there's always unused capacity. Yeah. And we had a very creative CFO. Yeah. And and she worked with our lender yeah. to be able to do um to to do to do financing on on uh, purchase orders yeah. that expanded that expanded our our availability. Okay. So, and what we were able to do was was the bank sort of acted as a factor. Yeah. So they, they pay the the vendors and the vendors would ship yeah. and that would give us, and then we had to repay and we had more time to repay the bank. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was also gave us additional liquidity yeah. uh, in terms of, of that you needed, especially, you know, when you're driving the business and you're trying yeah. to grow the business. So when you look at, you know, we really touched every, pretty much every functional area Yeah. and then, you know. One of the other things we did, I, you know, I keep on thinking about this and I, yeah. I remember this was, we said, okay, you know, what, what should we do internally? Which function should we do internally Yeah, and which function should we outsource? Yeah. all right. And basically, you know, pretty much whenever you're doing customer, fa- the customer facing functions, all right, should, oh, should really, that's, that's the brand, that's the product that should be owned by the company. Yeah. But when you look at other ish- situations, since we had a, you know, because we had so many stores. Yeah. And uh, we had a huge real estate department. Yeah. And we realized that, you know, and even after the restructuring and we cut it down, we still had a whole big department of people. Yeah. And all we were doing was, we were, we were hardly opening any new stores at all. Yeah. We were basically just renewing leases. Yeah. And, and so we decided to outsource that function.
3: Yeah. And
0: that, that not only reduced our expenses our fixed expenses yep. but also the, the 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 company that we outsourced to was was incentivized yeah to to get you know to 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 really get the the lease costs down yeah and so we were able to save a, a lot of money yeah on on uh, on rent yeah even though you know even though a, another that had been done once before by the internal company. Yeah. But, but there was even more there in that yeah. regard. Yeah. So when you're looking at it, you know, so we, so we decided that, you know, we needed just a small, uh, a small group internally, but we outsourced that function. Yeah. That's number one. And then the other thing we decided to do was, you know, in terms of shrink, yeah, you know, we had our own internal, um, uh, uh, function yeah. in, in that regard. But what we realized was, we never, we couldn't cover the 750 stores yeah. with that smaller team. Yeah. So we outsourced that function too, to a company that was, that had nationwide coverage, right? So we were getting, we were getting, and again, they were incentivized, right? Yeah. If you reduce the shrink by X, you're yeah. going to get X. Yeah. So it's a win-win proposition. So we were able to do that as well. Yeah. And, and because, you know, shrink today, you know, everybody talks about business growth. Yeah, but let me tell you something. Yeah, you know one of the big problems that co- that uh, retailers are facing today yeah. is shrink, and you know it's in the news. You know when you're talking about a group, a, a gang uh, went into Nordstrom the other day and stole 150 thousand dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but in reality, in reality, most of it, most of the shrink is internal, right? Yeah. So so you know, and people don't th- and and a lot of people don't think about it. Management doesn't think about it enough. They're yeah. always thinking about the top line. All right. But they're not necessarily thinking about the elements and margin. Yeah. And, you know, every, every tenth of a point that you can reduce shrink goes yeah. right to the bottom line. Yeah. So, so that's, so there, there are things that you can do yeah. in terms of, uh, that, that can directly affect your bottom line. And in today's marketplace, you know, you're yeah. talking about growth, growth is, growth isn't so easy to come from, it's right. easy to come with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And because consumers are, you know, consumers are still spending, yeah. right? But they're being much more discriminating with how they, they they spend their money. And for example, at at you know at at Getzler, uh, you know, we have a lot of clients, and one of the things we say to them is, you know, you know, you're you're looking at the revenue line, but remember, okay, you know, e-commerce growth is not going to be the way it was, okay? Yeah. Uh, people are shopping in stores, but overall retail sales, they're okay, yeah. But you know, it's not. It, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be challenging because remember you've got a lot of stuff going on you've yeah. got the, the stimulus money is is gone right yeah, yeah. And then when you look at anybody who has a a, um, uh, a loan a student loan yeah starting in October they're going to have to pay back those loans right. that's reducing that is reducing their spendable income yeah so they're going to be really you know and, and we don't even have to talk about inflation because yeah of course it's still with us it's moderate it's more moderate. Than, than it was that's yeah. still there. So, so you have to figure out, you know, how what are the levers that you can use to affect to to affect um uh, profitability. So, it's not it's you know when you're talking about growth, yeah. are you talking about growth in revenues or are you talking about growth in EBITDA, right? Well, as far as investors are concerned, you know, they want both, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a challenging period and yeah. you think growth is going to be very moderate, you know, low single digits. Yeah. You can still grow your, your bottom line. Yeah. By, by paying attention to all of these different aspects yeah. of, of, of running the business. So at Getchley, you know, one of the things that we've been talking to yeah. with our, with our clients. Yeah. Um, especially in e-commerce is the whole issue of free shipping and returns. Okay. Yeah. And let me tell you, uh, that can, that can have a huge, that can being able to reduce yeah, the amount of free shipping and yeah. reduced returns yeah. can have a very big effect on your bottom line. Yeah, and you know there was just an article, there's yeah. an article today or yesterday in Women's Wear about Revolve. Yeah, Revolve was ta- talking that Revolve said that they get their return percentage to sales at sixty percent. Can you imagine that? Fashion's normally twenty four, and overall I think it's like sixteen and a half or something like that. So, so if you can reduce that, yeah, okay you're going to, you know, you're going to really, re- you're going to, you're going to uh make more money. You're going to reduce all the costs that are involved with, uh again, you know, uh, with packing and picking and shipping. Yeah. And then when you get it back, yeah. you've got to, you've got to, you know, figure out what you're going to do with it. Yeah. So you've got that. And then the other issue is return. If you make it too easy to return, you're going to get too many returns. And the fact of the matter is, is that You know, every business has a different model. Yeah. And, and, but if you look at it, you'd be surprised. Yeah. And, you know, we work with our clients and we said, you know what? Your threshold for free shipping is too low. Yeah. Because your average order value is much higher than, than what your threshold is. So you need to bump that up. Yeah. And your customers are not going to mind. They're not going to mind because they're going to buy that much anyway. So why do you want, or you're going to get them to buy that extra piece, right? Uh, to get the free shipping.
3: Yeah.
0: And so, you know, all of these things are 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 things that you can do, and we tell this to our customers. And yeah. what you see is even even Amazon is now charging a buck if you yeah. want to return it to UPS. Yeah.
3: So
0: so these are things that are happening in the marketplace. Okay, yeah. In that and that.
3: Yeah. So
0: and when you look at you know it's like yeah sure you could you can bump your revenues up yeah but they have to be profitable revenues yeah and that's yeah. what we like to and we'd like to work with our clients in terms of understanding that and we've seen some very good results in uh with our clients in in terms of that and what they found is is that you know what uh they're they're uh uh people are are still buying okay and they're not returning as much because they and also because they have to be a little more careful about yeah. that yeah but you know i mean uh and and so so there's lots there's lots of opportunities out there yeah. in, in terms of, of, of working, uh, retailers working in, in both in, in like, you can drive growth by yeah. doing certain things, but yeah. also you want to, you want to protect, you want to protect profitability, yeah. right? And you want to make sure that you're also, you know, you have the liquidity that you need to continue to, 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 to be in business and grow your business. So hopefully those few, those few tips have been, uh, uh, helpful in, 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 in addressing that
2: subject. Oh, definitely. Most certainly. I mean, there is a lot, uh, to unpack there, I guess. And, uh, I guess we have now run out of time. So the only thing we can take right now is probably going to be your closing advice.
0: The closing advice
2: is, is that, you know what? Retail
0: theaters say, all right, but you've got to be in touch with your customer. You got to use technology in running your business. Yeah. And you have to, you have to, when you need help, you have to, to, to really, Make use of firms like ours that, that help companies either do better or deal with stress situations. So, you know, we love to help our customers at Getzler Henry. Okay. And, and, and I'm happy to, uh, uh, to talk to anyone and you can reach me directly at, uh, uh 917-789-3615 or at Mappel, M-A-P-P-E-L at getforhenrich.com.
2: Okay, amazing, thank you so much for your time. And uh, you know, just for my personal takeaway from this conversation is that understand your customers. Uh, I guess that's where the trick is. So make sure you really do on that note. Michael, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode.
0: Great, great, thank you so much. Thanks Sam, it's a pleasure.
2: I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show for sharing the knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully, you learned something new today. If you'd like to learn more about Michael, head over to GetzlerHenrich.com. It's G-E-T-Z-L-E-R-H-E-N-R-I-C-H dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and at the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you. And I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode.